All right. So here we are. I think we've got all our uh, equipment set up. Yes, indeed. We're hanging out in a broom closet in my basement. So my my waveform is perpetually smaller. There. I just got to get in front of my mic as well. Yeah. So funny enough, on on Rogan, he's apparently just here reading some behind the scenes stuff. Um, he's regularly telling people like, or gesturing to them to get up against the mic and, Put and that about a fist in front of your mouth. Exactly. Yeah, he's always saying that. And then everyone gets kind of shitty with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like an, like but we're not going to hear you unless you do. <laughs> right. So I, and I think that they, I bet they kind of cater to certain people. Cause I watched, I don't know if you watched the Robert Downey Jr. One the other day mm-hmm. and uh, he was like, out here yeah like this. some of it i mean i th- the famous people they're so disconnected from reality at oh one yeah time. but yeah I, I watched some of it and i dig the uh when when he you you know you, you've obviously spent a lot more time paying attention to him than me but i've 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 learned some sort of idiosyncrasies i guess would be the way to phrase it with him and when he's with somebody that's really bending his mind a little bit like making him think he goes but he does it like like almost like a growl. Like mm. I can't even get myself to do it right now. I'm going um mm, smooth, but he's like mm. it's like guttural. Yeah, he's like oh that just moved some logs upstairs. Yeah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. What's what's a topic right now? We were just saying before we started recording that the coronavirus. What a cool name for a shitty thing. Yeah, the Wuhan. <laughs> Fucking zombie virus. <laughs> Wuhan coronavirus. I think there's, isn't there another name right in front of it? In front of corona? Oh, well, whatever. Maybe it is the Wuhan where it's from, the province. Yeah, I know that SARS was also a coronavirus, and I think MERS as well. Okay. Um, it, corona is just the, the structure of the virus. Okay. But there's some kind of H117NQ. I don't know that they Yeah, something to codify out. it or whatever. Yeah, I don't know that they have that information yet. They might. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Well, so you know, you were you were saying that you're when you when you learned about it, or you know, like all of us started hearing it recently. You, you kind of started looking up some some other things. You like dove into, you know, what what is it and all that sort of thing. I was on this end going, okay, so they got forty motherfucker forty million dudes people rather in in China on lockdown for this thing and uh, allegedly you know some like 20 people have died I think for from it I think it's 41 now okay so well it's gone up you know even exponentially since the last time so but and they're they were claiming at the time when we were saying we had one person up in Seattle or something like that yep and uh, another in Texas now exactly so They've got a hundred cases at the time, of which uh, at the time maybe a, a handful had died, three or four had died, and we already have one case in the U.S. Like that just didn't that didn't match up with the. They've got billions of people in there, and we've got one of the one hundred already in the U.S. Like the numbers didn't make sense. Like I, what I'm getting at is I think that they're hiding numbers. Like I think the Chinese government is probably the numbers are probably bigger. Yeah, I mean that's the precedent they set with SARS, and they got a, they got a lot of criticism from the WP, WTO, WHO, World Health Organization. WHO sounds right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but you know, at the same time, they're 
they're talking about it a lot and they seem to be pretty transparent. But yeah, I agree with you. It kind of seems like, no, 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 no. And, and those people, to be fair, came from Wuhan. They traveled. And who's going through Wuhan? I don't yeah. think it's probably a large number of people. And, you know, one of the thoughts that, you know, <laughs> strap on my conspiracy hat or whatever, but one of the, the thoughts I had was, well, okay, if you live in Wuhan and you think, fuck, I just acquired this thing and I know it's it, uh, are they going to be able to take care of me here or am I going to go get on uh, a flight to, to the U.S. and where I know I'm going to get excellent treatment? I mean, do you think that's a thing or am I – maybe it's probably, probably not, but – Maybe. I mean, I can't say that wouldn't be going through my head if I, especially if I was an American citizen, I'd be like, get the fuck home and then be like, I'm sick. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. That's actually a good point because truth is, and I've been to China a lot. uh, They are in so many ways way ahead of us already in technology. I don't know about medicine. That's actually something I can't really speak to, but in terms of technology and infrastructure, they're like, they're paying with stuff. They're paying for things over there, like with brainwaves. Like they're, they're, I'm exaggerating, but they are doing things there that we haven't even conceived of yet here in the US. And uh, a lot of it's like payment processing and shit like that. Where, sure. Yeah. They're, they're, we don't need to think of them as a backward third world country where we reign supreme. We, we could learn a lot from the Chinese. No, absolutely. But it, 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 and you know, it's funny. It's, it's interesting watching, you know, in my mind goes, when I think China goes straight to this country that is um, mass surveillance, dystopian, kind of like, mm-hmm. I hope I never see America end up like that. And then you get this coronavirus outbreak, and suddenly they're using this surveillance technology to, you know, they're outfitting all of their airports with, with, um, cameras that can see temperatures oh right like infrared yeah. uh, type thing right and so they're scanning people as they walk by to see whether or not they have a fever yeah and then they're taking those people that they spot and sending them to hospital they use as a verb yeah um and <laughs> and, and they're screening them to see whether or not it's a confirmed case and quarantining them if it's necessary and it's like that's very effective pandemic um, like protocol. It's it, impressive, and it's like, oh, maybe there are some pros to their <laughs> shitty way of doing things. Well, and again, I mean, a lot of it, a lot of the, and I, and I'm with you, where you could easily see a dystopian sort of thing going on. But, <laughs> and again, I, I love where I live. I love the United States of America. I love being free, and and I've never lived in any kind of other environment. I've been a lot of places, but I've never lived there. But I'll, I'll say a lot of what we see or hear or read is filtered, you know, as well. It's of filtered course. as well. And it's definitely got a certain slant to it. But, uh, uh, you know, here, uh, we, this, this is a, a, a topic for a whole nother discussion, but one, one of the things that I think that, that we had, it so good post-World War II here in the United States that we became, we weren't, uh, we didn't need to be introspective. We just kind of had everything from coast to coast here, had it all. And then, and then it wasn't until really the, you know, internet became mainstream where we, we started to be able to see, okay, this is happening here and this is happening here. But I guess where I'm going with that is that we, we have our own sort of dystopia because we don't get outside of ourselves. You know, we don't really see the world uh, whereas the rest of the world, at least you know up until recently, 
knew exactly what was going on with our po politics, with our any sort of dynamics going on in America. They knew more about America than we did. And I don't know that's, right. that's not something that's been talked ad nauseum. But um, yeah, we could definitely look at our own world or it could be conceivable that others would look at our world and say here in the United States that we are the ones who live in this sort of dystopian type sure. environment. But that's a topic for another discussion. I think China is in a place in my mind right now where... Um, like even if they were doing things right, you know, they've got Gigafactory 3 going and they allowed Tesla to come in as the first foreign company in however long to be fully like owned, like they are not partnering with a Chinese company. They're yeah. they're an autonomous company that they allowed to come in. And like that's that was cool. Even that move, I'm still like, you know what, China go fuck yourself. We, like the the yeah. weaker thing. Yeah. The thing that they're doing with that uh, uh in the in the western provinces where they have these these muslims that the ethnic mu muslims that live yeah. there and they're putting them in concentration camps and there's reports of organ harvesting mm -hmm. and um you know i i don't know that you ever could necessarily verify that i'm and i'm not i'm not skeptical because i have reason to be skeptical i'm skeptical because i know that a dynamic exists particularly in America, where we create a big bad wolf because it suits us. And so, and again, I can't really speak intelligently to that particular issue where uh, a particular religious group is suppressed. It, there's probably plenty of evidence that supports that that idea is true. Oh, yeah. Um, the UN understands that everyone is going, what are you doing? Yeah. So so no doubt that, that, that but... Um, you know, things are governments, nations are obviously far more nuanced than a particular single element. Certainly, people could point to any other governments around and say, based on one thing, you guys suck. You know, based on your leader, based on Boris Johnson, based on Trump, based on whatever, you suck for these reasons, or you're this, or you're that. But what what I find fascinating about China, and so when I was going there personally, was from the years like 2008 through 2010 so like a couple year period of time i spent time in beijing in shanghai in tianjin and what was fascinating to me was i was already starting and particularly because i was in the aviation industry i was particularly concerned about aviation being our primary method of long distance transport in america whereas i was seeing in europe uh high-speed rail and high-speed rail has the potential to nearly replace for those distances uh, aviation because of the speeds they were reaching, because they could be powered by electricity, uh, any number of factors. So, uh, you know, we were, we were, we're, we're allegedly the nation that, that's always producing all the technology and creating and proliferating things that are better for society that are technologically based. However, when I, I, I just took this sort of snapshot, uh, of time. So when I when I was in China, in particular in Beijing or in Shanghai, they had just created this new train called a maglev, and this maglev could travel at like 350 miles an hour. And I rode on it, and I'm like, apart from my wife's Tesla, that was the most magical fucking thing I'd ever done. <laughs> and because it was like I was riding on air, there was no bumps, really? there was no nothing. You don't feel wheels, you don't feel anything. You just go. You're like. Phew. Done. You're there. And they had it connected from the heart of Shanghai to Pudong Airport 
which I don't even remember the distance. We'll call it 25 miles or whatever. And you were like there in a fucking flash. But the, the interesting thing about this, it, it spawned me looking into how many miles of track are we laying down in America versus how many miles of track are they laying down in China? And this is, again, circa 2010. And I, I'm going to pull these numbers out of my ass just for, for the purposes of illustrating this point. And that at the time, China was laying down, they had like plans for 20,000 different high-speed rail lines. And in America at the same time, we had seven. Seven. Other parts of Europe, Spain. It's such a joke, man. It's a joke. <laughs> like like we're, we're getting beat by China. Like in, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the big joke in AI is how far is the United States in ahead of China in <laughs> artificial intelligence? And the big joke is 12 hours because that's when they wake up and copy everything we've done. Exactly. And <clears throat> well, there, there is, there, there, I think that it, uh, unfortunately, here's again spawning another conversation of stereotypes. And, and there's no doubt that. As it relates to intellectual property, China has ripped off the world in, in a number of fashions, um, intellectual property primarily. Um, but they, none of that stuff, none of that, stereotypes don't exist in a vacuum, right? So meaning that in particular in the case of China, they, they have probably stolen lots of intellectual property over the years but then they've capitalized on it and doubled down and then gotten better. And, and so, so when people talk about the quality coming out of China now, it ain't 10 years ago. It's not even five years ago. Their metallurgy is better. Their processes right. are better. You know? so, uh, and again, I'm, this is subjective. I'm saying it. But, but I think there are— It's not without merit. Yeah. So uh, I think they've, they've gotten serious— very serious about um, renewables. They've yeah, gotten serious. Biggest EV market on the planet. Exactly. And they've gotten serious about, um, well, there, there's a Netflix special about Bill, uh, regarding Bill Clinton. I'm not, sorry, Bill Clinton. <laughs> uh, Bill Gates. And it's inside Bill's brain. Did you ever get a chance to watch yeah, that? Yeah, it was excellent. Yeah, that third episode is all about nuclear energy. And this, that was so fucking fascinating to me because I had largely written it off. Like, it's too big a me terrorist too. threat. Same, same. It's too volatile. I don't want, we don't need a fucking Chernobyl, you know. And Don't get me started on Russia. And, right. And this, and this got me thinking, well, goddamn. You know, I, have, I just kind of put that off to the side. But again, that's why Bill Gates is Bill Gates. He said, I'm going to dedicate, and I'm just pull this figure out of mass, a couple hundred million dollars and put together a team of the fucking world's smartest. And we're going to take a look at nuclear energy again. And, you know, what they illustrated for me was that the technology that exists today, everywhere in the world, it's all from the era of slide rule. There's no, computa no, no computer computation. Everything we know and we put together, basically surrounding the core aspects of... Uh, the, 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 the fuel that's needed and how we contain it and how we cool it and how we disperse it is all 
generated via slide rule. So it hasn't had a fresh set of eyeballs. Well, define that phrase slide rule. Yeah. So like a, like, like a measuring instrument, as opposed to using a computer, we're talking about a mechanical instrument, like analog computation. Yeah. Measuring microns and shit like that. So, uh, Bill Clinton, (laughs) I can't keep calling him that. Uh, Bill Gates said, or conceived of this idea of, of putting together these, these, this, team of like one of the guys that's on this team that was charged with finding a better way to do nuclear power is like uh who's the dude over in the uk that just died that was in a wheelchair or i mean like a paraplegic quadriplegic smartest guy in the world stephen hawking stephen hawking right so this dude worked mathematics with stephen hawking so yeah okay. so we're talking that's the kind of level of people right. we're talking about if i had a ability to reference this guy i would right now but um, so he, he got these guys together, several that had worked in nuclear energy at, at a high level, uh, for a number of years. And, and then guys like this, this fairly young fellow that was working with Stephen Hawking. And they said, basically they started from scratch with, they, they had the principles of nuclear energy in front of them, but they started from scratch and they found a way to take the, the, the process and make it work far more efficiently and like a hundred percent safe. And it came down to how they cool things and, um, and how they utilize the energy in these, these, uh, these rods, the, those rods that I'm talking about that they power the energy from, what are they called? The uranium fuel rods, fuel rods. Right. So uh, according to this documentary in is it Fort Campbell, Kentucky, where they store these, I think it's Fort Campbell. I might be wrong, but but somewhere in Kentucky, where the there's an army base, they store all of the U.S.'s spent uranium rods. And what's unique about this is that these rods still contain like seventy percent of their potential energy. The process was so weak prior to this that harvesting the energy from them, in terms of creating electricity or whatever, just just getting the energy from them in the in the uh, in the reaction, um, it was it was lost in the process, and so we, we you know you get the thirty percent of energy off of these spent rods, and then they would go you know fucking train them over to Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and they just sat there and they're sitting there now. Well, Bill Gates's group they they discovered how to utilize like a hundred percent of that energy in those rods. The other seventy percent, they know how to use it. And, uh, hey, baby, what's up? Uh, oh, pizza guy's here. Is Benjamin getting it? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, we're recording, so you got to head on out, okay? We'll see you in a minute. Okay. <laughs> Who was that? That was Andy Pants, Mr. Andrew Otis Head. That's my youngest son, five years old. <laughs> he's, a, he's a cool cat. So they figured out a way to use 100% of the energy in these fuel rods. In a in a yes. So and and to give you an idea of the potential energy that sits in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Somebody's going to tell me that I'm wrong on this cuz I am, but No one will tell you cuz no one's listening. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so the the according to the last I think snippet in that 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 number 3 episode there's a 150 years worth of energy to power the United States. Like, or, or, oh, or wow. phrased more succinctly, 
there's enough energy there to power the United States for 150 years at our current consumption rate. Uh, so this for me, I'll, I, I, maybe this doesn't hit you the same way it hits me, but I'm kind of going, well, okay, a lot of people are right when they say, well, uh, you know, EVs are not a total perfect solution uh, for because we still got to, you know, unless you've got a solar plant on your house or whatever, you've got to get the energy from somewhere. And that generally comes from coal fire plants or natural gas. And, um, sure. So, right. It could we, be, it could be the magic bullet. Yeah. It could also be something that turns out not being as effective as it looks like it might yeah. be on paper. Like who knows? But I think that continuing to explore those, it's clear to me that sustainable electricity generation mm-hmm. is within reach like if there's enough um if there's enough human beings wanting to make that occur i mean all you need is a is a corn a little corner of arizona and a bunch of solar panels for the united states like it, it can be done yeah and it will be done eventually yeah. and it'll probably be a mixture of things like that that might be a ma- that might be a massive slice of the pie um but then you know it's also energy consumption things like how we transport ourselves and how we heat our homes and stuff like that that is going to be another big factor and you know i don't know which one you need to address first but right now it seems to be the case that we're putting more eggs in the basket of energy consumption i don't know i guess i don't know the numbers on that well it's so so i i have a thought on along those lines that goes sort of like this like you you get a lot of i don't know if the I don't know the validity of the people that push back against EVs or Elon Musk in particular, or uh, just fucking clean energy. But a, a lot of what they their, their argument is, well, you know, you you these 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 EVs aren't that great because of what we just said. You know, they're they're still burning fuel or uh, burning fossil fuel. Okay, uh, definitely that's not wrong. For one, I'd start with. Just looking in that static environment, like, okay, the, the energy, if, the, if all of our energy was consumed, like we couldn't create solar power, if we couldn't use nuclear, couldn't do anything other than fossil fuels to power EVs, just uh, on a one-to-one basis, because of steam recapture, the way that uh, uh, a, uh, uh, a steam turbine works, the fact that you can capture energy within a a confined space and utilize that energy, that steam to power a turbine and, and, and not reduce. So, you know, not, not let it go is going to make it like 60% more efficient. And by that, I mean, like when you drive your car, you know, and you pull in your garage and you hear that thing going tink, 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 and all the fucking heat coming off that thing. Well, that heat's coming off of it while you're driving and that right. heat's just going into the atmosphere and it's fucking lost. Wherein at a coal fired plant, for example, that's that steam is captured. It's that heat is captured and utilized in the process. Mm-hmm. So you you just just out of the gate, you're far more efficient by creating right. an electric vehicle. So so that alone. But the 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 thing that I say is okay. You've got uh, if you have an infrastructure built, you know, of full renewables. That's wonderful. But if you don't have an ability to utilize you're, it's for not. So in other yeah. words, the cars have to come first. The things that use the energy have to be present first. That's a good point. Then you can convert. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, 
Yeah, that's my my spiel on energy. Well, so back to Bill Gates, right? And he's fucking built the perfect mousetrap out of, out of nuclear energy. Well, do you know that that the uh, how do you say his name? Zhao Xiaoping, the leader of China, the president of China, Xi Jinping. Yeah, that one. Uh, and pardon me for butchering that, but he came to the United States, came to Bill Gates, met in Seattle. They were at the threshold of China buying this, not buying it exclusively, but but utilizing this technology. They saw, oh shit, Gates has found something, and he's he's going to change the world with this. About a week later. When the when the the deal's getting ready to get signed, why the tariffs come into place, and uh, and how do you say his name again? Xi Jinping pulls out. Yeah, good move. Yeah, and you know, and, and it's I'm not even against the tariffs. They needed to exist for the very reasons that we were starting talking about the the theft of intellectual property, and and how, in my opinion, China's been playing unfair for a long time. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was, you it's know, it's interesting to me that, um, you know, that they they really put so much weight on Confucius and honor and living forthrightly, and um, and then they go and they lead lives like that in terms of like how they approach business, and uh, you know, not that not that Americans are particularly moral. It's weird that business people put aside their philosophy on how they approach life when they approach business like why is there such a it's it's like we have this segment of our brain that's a mercenary yeah and everyone just kind of seems to have that it must be some evolutionary thing i don't know well i definitely think that you've got you know you, you i think you you were saying it it it's not limited to any particular culture or country or or anything i, it's I think not. it's it's just a human yeah. thing that uh i think we we can partition our brains a little bit to say uh, for the overall good, you know, m- maybe maybe their view of of uh, having questionable morality as it relates to intellectual property is that if you look back t- twenty years ago, less than twenty years ago in China, most of China was in abject poverty. I know it. It's amazing. So if your people. If your people, the people that look like you, the people that you grew up with, the people that that you know that you love and care about, are you know either dealing with mass starvation or abject poverty and all its you know you know stuff that comes and goes, would borrowing a little bit of words and written shit from a really rich nation that's flaunting its shit and eating well, fuck them. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah, you take that shit straight away, right? Yep, yep. So, you know, I give a lot of latitude when it comes to nations trying to do for their own. Yeah. I'm not... They've been amazing things. They pro- they'd probably be used against me somewhere in my life, but because I've had those moments where I'm like, what's the right thing to do here? Well, depends on how I phrase things. If it's If it's for my family or for my friends or my potential employees or whatever if I do these things and it's better for them in the long run? Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we, uh, you certainly we, we can all play those games, but I think I think an honest mind can find the moral truth, you know, 
Definitely. Even, even they can. I'm sure that if you really just sat someone down that was really maybe even involved in the, the copycat kind of culture that their business is involved in, if you really sat them down and talked them through the ethics of it, they could probably understand why that's not okay. It's a very, I think the subject of intellectual property is a very nuanced thing. It seems very black and white. You've created this thing. I've stolen it from you. And maybe it is just as simple as that. But I feel like if, like for example, when we were talking about how uh, the Chinese have learned, they've, they've not only copied, but then they've learned. You know, they're doing stuff in AI that maybe exceeds or at least is where we are. And they're yeah, doing bigger it. data sets. Yeah. You well, know? certainly just by way of population, right? Like, yeah. And, and the amount of surveillance. Yeah. Um, the way that they've structured their little internal internet. Um, they're collecting so much more data than the rest of the world. And, you know, the big, like if you follow Andrew Yang at all, his big thing is the modern form of oil is data. Yeah. And um, it, it's so valuable. It's because the reason it's valuable is because big data science exists and those machine learning algorithms are better if they have a bigger data set. And so China is orders of magnitude above the rest of the world in terms of the amount of data that they, their government has. And then, of course, the government is in bed with all of these businesses. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's like <clears throat> I think I get mad at China because I'm afraid of them. They're doing things that are really effective. Mm -hmm. But um, also it's like they also do things that, are, that make me laugh. They seem so ridiculously, like, incompetent. Like yeah. – um, you know, everything going on with Hong Kong, then they, they held all these special elections. <laughs> and lo and behold, Democratic leaders got elected as over communist leaders. And yeah. apparently Beijing was surprised by that. They had no idea. <laughs> Reminds me of the Soviet Union. There's these stories of, um, you know, during, during Stalinist Russia, he would finish giving a speech and people would start giving an ovation. And... People would, by the end of the ovation that lasted 25 minutes, people would be passing out from exhaustion. And it, it, because they, everyone was so afraid to, mm -hmm. to do anything that was uncouth. And like, it, same thing that's, mm -hmm. I think, is probably going on in Beijing. They can't give honest feedback. There's no honest feedback loop to the leadership of that country because they're afraid of the repercussions. Well, I think that's one of the general um, sort of negatives. There's many of them, obviously, with an autocracy. When you have a, a an autocratic society, uh, you you've created an echo chamber, right? You you people can't have opinions; they just have to fucking like North Korea is a great example, where uh, if yeah. if their supreme leader says something, do you think anybody's going to go but but but? So that is, it, in my opinion, those highly autocratic societies uh, are the antithesis of an innovation. Right, and one of the reasons that makes America so great, Silicon Valley exists, people can make magical shit happen, is because there is no fear of the supreme being saying no, all hail, and that's because right, we're fucking awesome. Well, <laughs> you know, I love living in America, and I do love America, and I love our ideals. Uh, I think we need to be very cognizant of what things really move the needle for innovation. Is it? Is it 
uh, removing all restrictions of government and saying go and because uh, that generally comes with a leader who can do whatever the fuck he wants. And do we want an unregulated leader? Because man, that's real close to autoc- autocracy, right? A fucking dictator, free reign to do whatever the fuck you want. Exactly. And I mean, because I look and uh, I mean, I look at 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 Russia's the great example right now. They're allegedly, uh, you know, uh, an advanced nation. They're a democracy. What do you mean? Putin's just really <laughs> successful in the, in the polls. Can you name one thing that you use that's from Russia apart from vodka? And even then, we got better vodka now. One yeah, thing. Do. Just name it. Right. Because I can. Uh, kettlebells. Kettlebells. Yeah. Well, okay. Funny. I'll chew you up on that one. <laughs> Russian versus U.S. kettlebell swings. Russians do it halfway, they go 90 degrees from floor. The Americans, we lift that fucker straight up over our head. That's one full rep. Because we're Chinese about it. We took their shit and we iterated. <laughs> we made it better, right? <laughs> so, but I, I mean, again, not no no uh no offense to my Russian friends, of which I have a few, but your system's not set up to innovate. Your system's not set up to innovate. And ours is. And that's a good thing. It's uh, a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I, I think that I think that there's there's some there's a lot of like China and Russia are good examples of like there's cultural um it's like a personality trait within a culture that's really admirable that mm-hmm. exists in both of those places. Yeah. Like I think a Russian like when I think of Russian masculinity, I think of like a hard man that's just like hardy and they like can take a punch and <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. like like I wanna hang out with that guy. Yeah. Um and I but, think that that exists in their culture. But it doesn't like they've, for whatever reason, approached a way of organizing their society that's, you know, a little, a little bit rough. (coughs) You almost need someone in the room like a like a young Jamie yeah, that I can just look at and talk to. Like while they're gone. Like, yeah. <laughs> what do you think about him, man? He's, he's fucking crazy. Uh, he did that when uh, Alex Jones took, Alex Jones took his shit on the, like the second episode and he, he's like, that motherfucker's crazy. He's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Jamie, Jamie's just a, somebody to talk to. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe noted. we just need to paint a face on the wall. We just talk to the face. <laughs> Ah, yeah. So, um, if if uh, if my wife listens to this, she's gonna laugh at me because China came up in the first, and she's like, two years now. She's so fucking tired of hearing me talk about China. <laughs> Is she defending why. China? Is she? You know, um, I, I hope this doesn't go out to anyone, but she always levies the accusation at me that I'm racist against uh-huh. the Chinese. Yeah, <laughs> you just American man. You want um, you're pro American, yeah. right? Yes, I am, but I'm also, I'm, but I'm not pro other people. Like I think South Korea is impressive, is all hell. I think Japan is impressive. Oh yeah. Um, China, the way that they're approaching, the way they handle society, is not impressive to me. I think it's dark. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, again, I, I, um, 
I, I keep coming back. I think I know a lot of shit. And then every day I get older and, you know, get kids and stuff. And I'm like, fuck, you don't know shit. And yeah, I'm learning that as well. Well, you know, and I, 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 I'm not good at obviously not speaking about what I don't know. I, I probably bullshit a lot, but I feel like with, with China in particular, you know, we've got 300 what are we at now? 330 million here in America. Something, 300 and some change. I don't know. And number. our land mass is roughly the same size as China, main, mainland China. I mean, so they're very vast as well, right? They've right. got fucking huge land. And we do have concentrations of population and whatever in certain areas. You know, a lot of people in California, a lot of people in urban areas, et cetera. But how many billion are they? Or, uh, like, what's the whatever. population of China? I'm curious. Keep talking. But I'm yeah, just... so like, so so China's either a billion and a half or multiples of billions, and it just just think about that. Like like take America. One point four. Okay, so we're what does that make us? Four times bigger, or China four times bigger than us? Am I doing that right? Either way, either the three or five times more or four. But imagine taking five. Imagine six. taking everyone in America. And then multiplying it by five and putting us on the same landmass. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and then you suddenly it's like go Manhattan, coast well, to coast, right? And and but what that does is say, holy fuck, we've got to manage a lot. All five fucking times the U.S. has to be fed. They have to. Their shit has to go somewhere. It's they a totally to, different set of challenges. Yeah, and and like if they have an issue with food supply, for example. You know, and fucking 100 million people die. It's a small fraction of their population, but 100 million people die. You know, so they've... I'm not making excuses necessarily for things that they do that we may deem as nefarious or not great, but their challenges are far greater than ours. I mean... That's true. So, again, it's... it's Just pollution. I mean, that's one yeah, million. Right? And, and again... W- w- I've got to I've got to give them a little bit because these these guys are embracing electricity when we're still out there going burn baby burn you know hundred percent so uh, you know and they're obviously looking at great you know technology that's cutting edge that can can lower uh, you know carbon footprint that can be sustainable and all that sort of stuff so uh, their transportation systems definitely while well, they're they're going apeshit buying aircraft too but at the same time. They're going apeshit, planting, you know, rail tracks, high speed rail, and uh, they're they're investing in maglev and other forms of, you know, transportation that are smart. Uh, yeah. You know, you know so. uh, during my honeymoon, um, I was, you know, we went we went we had a layover in Korea, and then we spent time in Cambodia and Thailand. Oh and shit! It, and it was That's obvious cool. that that part of the world. It seemed it seemed like a bipartisan effort to be cognizant of your um, consumption, like as particularly energy. And um, you know every little thing, like the the key card to any hotel room we stayed in. When you pulled it out, it turned all the lights and the heat off. You know, like shit like that. Like it was just obviously, if you were being. Um, if you were being kind of obtuse about your energy consumption, that would mm-hmm. be seen as as socially unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And one of, one of the things about our country that I'm deeply ashamed of is that it's it's 
like there's this thing on the right and don't get me wrong there are a lot of things about the right that i really respect and actually identify with but the the whole i'm proud of my ignorance i'm proud of um sitting behind a v8 because it rumbles or whatever Mm -hmm. and you have a vagina if you don't yeah like that makes me that I don't look at those people as like being more masculine or more like I I just look at it as being like it, stupid. It just makes me sad. Yeah, it makes it makes me embarrassed to be standing yeah. next to you. You know, you know, and I I I don't disagree at all. I grew up in a you know place where a lot of good old boys come from, and I was probably one to some degree myself. But it, it, it maybe it goes back a little bit to our thoughts of you know we were. America's formation and more, more, more aptly our, who we became post-World War II. You know, we were, we were showing the world that we had everything and could do everything. And we didn't have to think about quantities. We didn't have to think about limitations. We were all about pushing the envelope in every direction. Anything we wanted, we could have. And, you know, that and the development of the agricultural machine, uh, the agricultural complex um, changed how we live and how we see the world. And I think that what that meant was we didn't have to, you know, we we could build the baddest jacked up four-wheel drive fucking vehicle because we could. And that's cool, right? We could. We didn't think about a limit to product, you know, how, how... buying and consuming more stuff is bad. What was bad was sitting on your ass and doing nothing. What was really fucking cool was pushing the limit on what you could extract out of your fucking Chevy 350, right? I mean, that's yeah. it's badass shit. Even and, you saying that, I'm like, fuck, yeah, yeah. man, right. And I'm, <laughs> you know, I grew up with that. But where I think maybe you're going with that is that, you know, eventually you got to say, well, okay, there's evidence that says maybe... When you refresh your worldview. Exactly. it's not the case anymore. And, like, I guess it's actually a little bit relieving when hearing you say maybe it's an artifact of the past. Mm-hmm. And those things tend to peter out. Yeah. Like, I hope that's the case. Well, I, I, can, give a pers- I can give a personal testimonial. So gr- I grew up in southern Indiana. And, you know, Farmville, USA, man. I grew up in the middle of farmland. Uh, my grandfather was a farmer. Uh, all my neighbors were. And I was, from a very early age, some of the most powerful memories come from going to the Vandenberg County 4-H Fair. And in, in, those, in those fairs, they had all, everybody was into, or a lot of people were into, restoring old antique tractors. You know, John Deere Model A's, things that had a, a lever for a clutch. Sick. Oh, totally sick. And I, I ate that shit up, man. I was in a teeterboard competition with a John Deere Model A when I was like, I, I'm going to say this, I was probably 10 or 11, not much older than William. <laughs> and I won the goddamn thing. And it's because all my neighbors had these, and I would just come up and I would constantly ask if I could play around on these things. And then there were these, have you ever heard of these hit and miss engines? No. So they're like some of the earliest mechanical uh, internal combustion engines. And so they would just be this this square chunk of metal that had a pot at the top that was filled with a coolant water in this case, and then a, a, a sleeve for a cylinder and like a flywheel on them. And basically okay. they could they would turn and they could power something, whether it was like a thrashing machine, which is like a prehistoric <laughs> combine okay. or whatever. But but these things were 
they were magic to me. They made these incredible sounds. They go, they would, they would breathe in a big breathe of, uh, breath of oxygen. They'd go, and then they go, and you know, they blow up, and then that thing would spin for a while. And that yeah. was one cycle. You know, like a cars are going boom, 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 boom. This thing's going, and it would breathe a big air, a breath of oxygen. But it was fascinating, and that so that pathway, those pathways in my brain, were extremely furrowed, man. Like they were, like that was a large part of my childhood identity was just you know, those machines. Yeah. So man, I got it early. I got it good too. And so I, you know, naturally became a little bit of a gearhead, um, and, uh, and loved cars and anything with a motor on it pretty much the rest of my life. And I thought, well, fuck when electric's coming out, I'm like, and particularly these little pinheaded ones that came out of the seventies, they were there for very benevolent reasons to try to solve the fuel crisis, but they were ugly as fuck. And they were, they were weak, weak dick little, machines that did nothing they were certainly not masculine and they didn't really achieve much they had no distance on them no speed no nothing sure so i kind of largely put that out of my brain i didn't understand the scope and the, the you know the sort of depth and breadth of of climate change and it didn't really mean shit to me i was like you know if it doesn't make really rude sound i don't care about it <laughs> <laughs> but there was a but there was a part of me too growing up that had a, a strong bent towards European design. So I started liking European cars, like the old Jaguar, you know, E-Type, sexy, beautiful car. Oh, yeah. So beautiful. Sounds great too. Uh, I believe, funny enough, Elon Musk owns his only, you know, ice car as a Jaguar E-Type. Yeah. So, that's with a long hood. Exactly. And it has like, like big hips on the hood. Yeah. Like it's just really a, an yeah. iconic, beautiful design. So I, I fell in love with with vehicles, machines, engines, and I never conceived of the idea that I would like something better. So, but you turns out you can change those pathways in your brain. Sure. Now, pretty quickly. I don't. It's not that I don't love what those things represented. They were pulling ourselves out of the Bronze Age. You know, like I mean, of course, right? Of course. I mean, yeah, like. I think that it was a square deal almost like what we achieved on the back of burning hydrocarbons. Exactly. We got to clean the mess up now, but we got pretty damn far. Well, well no doubt. So, and, and I think I just can't get over it. I mean, I, I, I sound like a fanboy, and I guess I guess maybe you can classify me this, but with Elon, he knew at a very early age we had to tackle these things. He knew concretely, maybe the fact his dad was an engineer or whatever, he just smart as fuck, but he knew early on there are these challenges and maybe he, you know, just did some math and said, well, okay, it's gotta, it's gotta happen. But he knew that the, you know, getting away from fossil fuel was a must. And if you think about it, regardless of the merit of electricity, uh, as a, as a, as an, as a source of propulsion, if you think about burning fossil fuels as a way of generating energy, it's finite, right? Exactly. Even if, so, if you even if, if it's not polluting, it's still finite. We're going to run out eventually. Yeah, we're going to we run hit out. That it's civilization collapses if we don't have an infrastructure in place that replaces it. Exactly. So you know, just on that merit alone, I thought, well, it's worth thinking about. So that that was perhaps the genesis of my thoughts about uh, electric propulsion of one form or another. Uh, was that we could utilize things other than fossil fuels you can't use electricity to run an ice engine you can do it though to run a an electric engine right so right you know when when i i i 
still, you know, we bought a Prius back in 2015, 2014, I think, in 2014. And that was cool. You know, it was fun to play around with and, and, and learn how to, like, it became a game to get, like, 70 miles a gallon. You know, it was like, right. And then it was just, kind of, but it was, but it took a lot of finagling. And if you're just, if you're just like a dude that's got to get to work, get to your office, get to the hospital, whatever, you know, you can't play the game, but still you're doing better than you were when you were driving your F 150 right. back and forth exactly. to the hospital. So it was, it was a cool thing. And it, it represented a measurable reduction in my personal fossil fuel consumption. Yep. Right. So, uh, but it was, it was kind of lame. I was, you know, driving around, and you know, Kristen wore the brown but my wife, she she uh, drove the, the 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 Prius for several years, back and forth, up the mountain, down the mountain, down the mountain, fun, up the mountain, bullshit, sewing machine. <laughs> I have one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're it, awesome. Yeah, I mean, the savings I got as soon as I bought it paid for the car payment and the insurance. Yeah, compared to the Escape that we have, right? And. Um, and even now, like I, don't, I, if I don't have to drive it, I don't have to. I hate that fucking thing. <laughs> it's you know, you, but you hate love it, right? You, you, there's some part of you that loves it because like of what the, it represents. I like maybe the intent behind it. Yeah, it looks like shit. It drives <laughs> like shit. It fucking burns a quart of oil every tank of gas. It's a piece of shit. Yeah, but you know, it's better than like not being cognizant of what I, my effect on the world. Yeah, well, there's no doubt owning it, regardless of its mechanical condition. You've lowered your consumption of fossil fuels right so on that merit alone it's worth something but agreed although although Kristen's was particularly good i snapped some or uh, slapped some snow tires on that thing and it it would go as well as the forerunner in in snow primarily i mean as long as it didn't get like obnoxious deep yeah you know it, it just it's got traction it'd go so you know that that got my that sort of whetted my appetite but it was a but it wasn't like I was like jonesing to go get the next version of a Prius. Like I'm like, oh god, they got an EV version. I gotta have it. Like that didn't happen. Um, it, although I thought it was neat, but I'm like, yeah. And then you know, and I, I knew Tesla was out there. Do you and know I, that Toyota is the only major car manufacturer that doesn't have an EV on the docket? You know why? Well, that mean I, I no, I don't know why. The plug-in hybrid, maybe. Well, they they want to certainly milk that, but they they were all in on hydrogen. Oh, hydrogen! Yep, the fuel cell cars. Yep, and, fucking uh, idiot. <laughs> nah, I mean it was definitely on on paper. Hydrogen is pretty fantastic. I mean it's 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 mega abundant. Um, on paper, I guess. Yeah, I mean you get into containment, and suddenly it's a new deal. And then if you, if you saw these little micro. Hydrogen stations. And even an efficient pump is going to have to take 20 minutes to refill the tank to where you can fill a car off of it. So each pump is down for 20 minutes yeah. per fucking... Which and I and guess the I'm containment of it. You know, contained hydrogen is fucking volatile. Right. So, like, I mean, it, it's... You know, and again, things are overcomable. If They, they could probably build some fucking bomb-proof... Yeah. hydrogen containment unit but i mean it's not like lithium-ion battery packs weren't kind of fucked up at first yeah thermal runaway obviously yeah. right like yeah, so read, read the elon musk ashley vance <laughs> book in the early early days of tesla they took the battery pack and threw it in a fire just like during a camping trip yeah and everyone was like oh that's fucked up <laughs> yeah but they overcame it yeah so so definitely i don't want to say that because it's a volatile uh, substance that we we shouldn't investigate or pursue that, but it but it appears now that we've had some time to, and obviously 
uh, really smart minds at Toyota uh, went through all their machinations and studied it and everything else like that, at least at this time frame, haven't made it viable. Um, you're so much more generous than I am, but well, it, you're, but, you you're know, probably that, closer to the truth than I am. I'm sure that they would want to crack that nut because if they did, they would, you know, even though they're the biggest manufacturer uh, by market cap on the planet, they still want to crack that nut and maintain that dominance, course, right? So yeah. they have solid reasons to pursue that in earnest, but uh, it, it, it's very obvious now that it it's not as in today's world as capable as uh, as as as, as uh, electric. So I graduated high school in 2005. I remember as a sophomore in 2000, that would have been 2003, watching a documentary on the Discovery Channel about the the coming hydrogen fuel cell revolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know whatever that is it was 17 years. Is that what that is? Yeah. So, and and we're still waiting for something to be mm-hmm. produced. Elon Musk came along and was like, I'm going to do this, and I did it. And all the while, when people would, I mean, because he's, you know, he's got everybody in the world against him that, that has a financial interest that, that's, uh, you know, in oil and big auto and, you know, any, any kind of thing that he's got a lot of interest against him. Right. And so uh, there were a lot of people that would challenge him on his idea of pursuing, a, you know, lithium versus hydrogen. Lithium as in storage for electricity and hydrogen as a catalyst to create energy or create electricity. Yeah. He's, he would always matter of factly say, nah, this is the way to go. This is where we are. And this is why it's going to work. And he just kept his maths, as they say in the UK, as opposed to math, his math straight. <laughs> he knew, he knew because he had fucking calculated out. He's like, where we'll be and where we need to be. I've already done the math. So let's just refine the fuck out of this. And look, we're at basically now, if, if, if any of the numbers that are coming out with Rivian and, and like the Cybertruck at 500 fucking miles, we don't, range is not a thing. Range is no longer a thing. It's not a catalyst to well, choosing. And I feel like just you wait. Right. Like, have you followed hit the, the... Maxwell Technologies? Oh my God. Right. With the... With the Dry, dry cathode, yeah. bad, whatever. I don't know what the fuck. Yeah. Talk, but like, it well, sounds he, like. So he bought them for two of their technologies capacitors, which are similar but different from batteries and how they store and use energy. And he bought them for their lithium ion technology, their battery technology. And, and he's basically taken the capacitors and said, we don't need that technology, although it's available to us. And we're going to focus on what you've done with batteries. And it, we're waiting for battery day. Tesla, apparently, is going to Tesla's going to have battery months, day, yeah. right? Yeah, and we Similar don't know when. Autonomous driving. Which? How did that not become bigger news? The autonomous driving day. Did you watch that? Mm, no. Funny enough, because I'm pretty up on most of that, and I don't know about that. But I mean, that to me was like I wanted. I wanted to sell my house and take all <laughs> the money and put it in Tesla stock when I watch that. Do it right now, anyway, for any number of reasons. Yeah. But that's. Uh, I wish good... I would have then. But I might I would have doubled my money since yeah. then. But um, yeah, just like the the chip manufacturing and everything that they were the way they were approaching everything, I I suspect battery day will be just as amazing yeah. if you're paying attention. Yeah, it, you know it's funny. Uh, I just thought, well, fuck the moment you have the technology, and this is just shows you how stupid I would be if I were running a company like that. But uh, if you 
if if I if faced with that sort of technological you know horsepower that I have available to me now, I'd be like blurting it out to the world. But uh, and I don't remember what this um, law is, but basically the law it's kind of like you know like Moore's law for for uh, capacity of capacitors, right? Uh-huh. Like is you know what is it double every. 18 months 18 months right and it's pretty pretty true to form there's a there's a law damn it I can't remember the name of it but basically it states that if you create this if you have a product and you cre- and you but you have this technology over here that is proving to be like a 10x you know improvement over what exists that you're selling and you tout that that's going to be out in 6 months well you fuck your current sales okay and there's a law to it or whatever. Maybe it's anecdotal law, but it's a law. And it basically, you just kill your sales. Sure. So I suspect that people that are anticipating on a specific date that Elon Musk is going to come out and say, here's what we've gained from Maxwell Technologies, those people are wrong. Who's going to be right is internal at Tesla. And that's only going to... Because right now, they don't have to make any major proclamations. They've, right. Look where they are. Right. They've got every vehicle covered. They've got gigafactories either fully functioning pretty much in most major regions or at least hemispheres of the planet. And then they've got in the in the regions like Europe that don't exist yet, it's happening. I mean, they're fucking they're into the forest right now over in Germany building right. or getting ready to build Gigafactory it's, 4. I saw them paving the driveway the other day. <laughs> so I think they've worked out the relocation of munitions from World War II <laughs> and uh, the bats, I think, are probably given right. first cast accommodations to someplace more batty. Uh, so, uh, but the point is, is that they've got a lot of good news and they don't need to, they're not in a lull where they need to just say, Here's a triple X throwdown, motherfuckers. Look at this. Yeah. We can charge before you've even thought of charging more than you ever need to go at any one time. It's like we've solved it all. It, it, there's no point in it because it would be cannibalizing, right? So right. Yep. you only, I would think, again, these are these are much higher level you know, things than I've ever been faced with, but you'll have to, you'll, you would, I would think you would be wise to put those things out in the most optimal of time for your business and no other time, regardless of what people want it really bad, how many of your people really want you to say what's happening on battery day, it's a fucking moving target for now. And it'll come out when it needs to come out, no sooner. Yeah, I mean, I got to believe he's playing that 3D chess, but um, it's weird because he. anytime I watch interviews with him, he always just seems like he's an open book. But I'm sure he's not. I'm sure he's got cards up against his chest that he... And I, you know, we've all heard him say things like, I got to be careful about this or that. I can't talk about air conditioners or whatever on Rogan. And so, you know, he does that. You know, what I look at is what comes out of it. Like, like I don't view necessarily anything that he says right now as being matter of fact. I feel like he's more suggestive. Like he's... He's probably given rein to suggest where things are going without concretely saying it uh, so that he, one, can make us, you know, give us all us curious people that give a shit about Tesla and where the world's going something to, to, you know, sort of talk about. 
and two, not box himself into a corner, right? Like, I mean, I think that's probably one of the things he's he's done very evidently over the past right. few years is box himself in a corner with statements that are, you know, just either outright false or, you know. Sure. Yeah. So if you put him in a place where you say, okay, well, he, he, he definitely knows what's going on and he'd like to allude to us what's going on, but he has certain constraints— I'm cool with that. I know generally where they're going. Yeah. Yeah. I know that Maxwell's probably going to be fucking awesome. I know it's probably going to, res- uh, like everything else, result in some order of magnitude advancement and storage technology that's just, you know, going to shut everyone up. But personally, I mean, my wife's Tesla Model 3 that we just got like less than a month ago, it's still fucking magical to me. Yeah. It's magical and it's 320 miles of range or whatever but what i didn't quantify you know like many people that are buying these a lot i guess a lot of people do quantify but i all i was concerned about was that long that long distance that number and in reality my wife and she travels a lot during the day down down and back from her hospital is like 70 or 65 miles round trip and she just comes home, plugs it in, and you know, ten o'clock at night, when we have it set to charge. It charges, and she wakes back up with a full tank of gas every day. So range anxiety. I mean, she's using what one sixth of the capacity of the the battery or whatever, or you know, one fifth, something like that, of the tank. If you were if you were to equate it to a tank, she's using one fifth of it. Well, this is making you rude noises. I no, think that man. you're growing a vagina every time you get behind the wheel, sir. <laughs> well, I do like them, and so, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty pretty trippy thing to uh, to to have them. Uh, so, anyway, uh, what do you think? You want to start wrapping this up for now? And uh, what do you think of Neuralink? Ooh, there's a Joe Rogan thing right there. <laughs> I didn't do it quite with the the mask. Ooh, if I could get that. Ooh. I think about that shit in the shower. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Wherever you think about it, that's cool. Um, it's fascinating to me. It, it, you know, I can get into really trippy thoughts thinking about it, like having my brain downloaded to a, yeah. you know, to putting into binary code or, or rather having something that connects to me and my brain that allows my brain to exist in its biological form, but then allows me to basically be fucking Superman. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Like it I'm seems sure like... there's a lot more to it than just that, but I don't know. I have no idea, but yeah, we should probably wrap it up. We could talk about Neuralink another time. Yeah. Well, so this was a good uh, first test and uh, yeah, let's wrap it up here. Signing off. We'll uh, talk to you guys soon.